0: Good morning, family. My, my, the long weekend. Oh, but uh, it is good. Praise God for a couple of rest days, days to take it uh, nice and easy. And I'm, and I'm glad because this morning I'm actually preaching about a topic that God has been working in my life for years. This has been years coming. And um. And specifically this morning, it's profound that it's being preached in a time where we can slow down a bit. And my topic this morning, I'm talking about anxiety, peace, and joy. Anxiety, peace, and joy. No, this is not a series. This is one Sunday I'm going to preach on all three of them. And last night I'm basically done with my sermon. I'm ready this morning, and I, my wife is like, "So what are you? What's what's the topic?" I say, "Anxiety, peace, and joy." She says, "They don't they don't go together." They don't think. Yes, my love. Thank you. Um, from now on, that is the point. The point this morning is that these three don't fit together. Two of them is available to believers, and one of them we struggle to shake. Here's the reality about anxiety. At this moment in South Africa, one in every six people are diagnosed with either anxiety, depression, or substance abuse disorder. One in every six. And that's just those who have been diagnosed. That's not those that are still experiencing this reality. In the United States, anxiety disorder is the most common mental disorder and about 18 to 19% of all people in the United States are diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Now, um, this is incredible, because even Time Magazine in the 90s has said that this is one of the major pandemics of modern society, is our anxiety, our stress, to run from the, from the one thing to the next thing, the outcome we desire. And I'm trusting this morning that as we get into this topic, we're gonna see exactly what anxiety is, we're gonna see what is the cause of our anxiety, and we're gonna trust Jesus that this morning, he's gonna start a work in all of us that he'll bring to completion, leads us to complete freedom from unhealthy anxiety, As we start to believe, trust, and prioritize what Jesus Christ has called us to do. So let's get into this. We're going to read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 9. Now, um, to give you some context about the, the book of Philippians, Paul is in prison when he is writing this book. And many scholars agree that Paul is probably in Rome awaiting his execution. Now... The definition of anxiety, uh, according to the Oxford Dictionary, it is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Okay? It's, it's when there's an outcome I desire, but, I, but I'm not sure. But the inverse of anxiety, there's, there's also a truth. It is when I have a strong desire or concern for something specific to happen. Now, if anyone had reason to be nervous or uneasy about the outcome of their lives, it was Paul, right? The writer, the, the, he's just awaiting execution. And yet, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the, the book of Philippians, this epistle, this letter is known as the joyful epistle, Paul is writing one of the most profound scriptures in the whole Bible about anxiety. And he says that, yes, while you might believe that I have reason to be anxious, on the contrary, on my inside, I have so much peace and so much joy. And he writes this letter to a church who is poor, who will also face persecution. And he says to them, here's the key. To you also experiencing the same inward, um, steadfast contentment, peace, and joy in God that I have. So, with that in mind, let's get into the scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. There it is. Do not be anxious about anything. And what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. A couple of big words, we're going to lay out the scripture as we go along, but I love how Paul does not just say, do not be anxious, just stop it. You know, like everyone in the morning, we get up, we say, today, I'm going to be anxious. I can't wait. It's going to be great. No, no. It's, it's, it's not like that. Anxiety or, or stress or nervousness, this feeling goes way deeper than this. So, so let's delve into what is anxiety. My first point this morning is what anxiety is. To have anxiety is sort of like having the Jaws theme baseline in the back of your life, right? Da-dum. You get it? Da-dum. Yes. You're looking for the fin. You're waiting for something bad that's gonna happen, and that characterizes your life psychologically. That is the way that you approach many situations. But it's not just psychological, it's also physical. Um, We, our bodies, anxiety, another word for it is stress, I've mentioned it, and our bodies have an an autonomic nervous system, I said that right, yes. An autonomic nervous system, so that when there is life-threatening danger, Life-threatening danger, it triggers a certain reaction that spikes your adrenaline and gets you ready for one of two reactions. You're either going to fight or you're going to flight. And that is what it is doing, your body. And when there is a life-threatening danger, okay, when a lion is charging you, um, we went hunting on a leadership breakaway, Uh, Jonathan, Philip, all of us, it was incredible over the past uh, weekend up until Wednesday. And uh, myself, Philip, and Hainu, we were busy tracking or looking for a wounded animal. As we're looking, we're walking, and here we see these paws in the bushveld. Now, we we know that it rained about 24, 12 to 24 hours. A couple of hours back, it rained. These paw prints do not have raindrops in them, so they're pretty fresh. They are nice and big and solid leopard prints. So we're walking, we're saying... (laughs) That's, um, that's very comforting right now while we're looking for blood, a wounded animal. And, um, and that's you're, it's, you're, there's adrenaline. If at a moment a baboon jumped from one tree to the next one, we would be ready to fight or flight. <laughs> you would probably see Philip ready with a gun. You know, I knew underneath a tree you're getting ready to fight or flight. That's when you want it. But when it's not life-threatening, yep. but you perceive it maybe, so important that, it, that, it, that, it, that this situation is threatening something in your life, you might enter that fight-or-flight mode, that mindset. For example, in relationships, you, someone might have done something wrong towards you in a relationship. Um, they disrespected you. They've hurt you. And now you, that that is going wrong and you perceive that as a possible, very threatening situation. So I know um, our friends here in the house, this is what we do. We enter that fight or flight mode, right? We either act and fake as if nothing's wrong. Don't worry, just avoid it. Don't confront it. Just leave it. If everyone leaves it, everyone acts as if nothing is wrong, everything's going to be okay. And we fake our peace, Right? Or we break the peace, hey, how dare you? We lash out, we defend, we attack, and we break the peace, we fight or flight. But neither of these is making peace actively in relationship. Or maybe you're at work, and there's a certain outcome that you desire. There's a certain task that you have to do. And you know that if it's not done, then, oh man, you're going to get it. And what is your boss going to say? And there's, a, there's maybe a nice commission waiting for you. And if you don't get that, the quality of your life's not going to pick up. So there's something about the value, the quality. And you say, I either throw myself at my work, neglect my family, neglect my children, and I, and I drown myself in my work, or I become pacified, I escape, I run away, and I, and I, and I sort of just suppress these emotions, and if I don't think about it, there's a there's meme that I just thought about, um, yes, I just thought about a meme <laughs> while preaching about uh, a student, that's looking at their books and saying, I have so much work to do that it's, in, it's humanly impossible to do it all, so I'm gonna watch a movie. <laughs> Fight or flight. Slowly but surely, by perceiving threats as life threatening or, or things, situations as life threatening, just not just threatening to my, to my being alive, but threatening to my value of life, um, people's approval of me, we sort of trigger this emotion, and we go into that state. I've spoken a little bit already about my second point, what causes it. But in this scripture, number two, the cause of our anxiety is very much in the answer that Paul gives us. Paul says, let your requests, verse six, be made known to God. Friends, we, we have requests. We have desires. We have certain outcomes that we're, we're hoping would happen But it feels a little bit outside of our control. And there's a very big key word to our anxiety. Control. When it's outside of our control. If we look at the very beginning of Scripture, okay? The fall of man. Man and woman in the garden. God gives one command. Don't eat of this fruit. In it is the knowledge of morality, good and evil. And what was the thing that pushed them over the edge? It was the serpent saying, God knows if you eat this fruit, you will become like him. And you will gain control of your own morality. You're gonna have control. And we gladly grabbed a hold of that fruit. When when we are anxious... It is most often, because there's something we desire. It's outside of our full control. And that threatens us. That is scary. Now, this morning I'm not saying that I, I don't have sympathy for you. You're just trying to be in control. What I am saying is that maybe sometimes we even take control for sincere reasons. My own story of anxiety comes when ever since I was a two-year-old boy, my parents were divorced, didn't grow up with my mom in the house, my dad in the house. But he was a great father. He was always present as far as he could. But most of the time, I saw my dad in moments where I had to perform. So I saw him at rugby games. I saw him at athletic uh, races. That's when I saw him, and that was when I had to perform. And and I remember, when I was in primary school, I was the fastest kid in our district, until in grade two, Zander showed up. (laughs) Zander came to our school, and from grade two until grade seven, Zander and I would trade blows who would be the fastest kid. And it's not a year-by-year thing, it's a race-by-race thing. It's literally, I would show up to the track, and you wouldn't know who's going to win. We were both so equally matched that it was literally almost the teacher that was standing at the finishing line. She got to decide, okay, uh, baby, today I like Christian more, or today. I but if Zander, if I won, everyone was satisfied. Man, my, my dad was happy. Well done. Yes, you gave him a good one this time, you know, and so proud of you. But if Zander won, when Zander won, there was disappointment. There was, we need to work on your start. We need to, there's, there's, you can do better with your acceleration. You know, the top speed, you, you are not lifting your knees high enough. And so I would, oh man. And to me, it felt completely outside of my control. I couldn't, I just, I just ran the best race I could. I trained, I, but this would eat me up. I would stress so much. I would hate athletics. I grew up hating racing. Loved training, hated to race. Because, I I was conditioned from a young age that if I did not perform well enough, if I did not do something that was outside of my control, if the outcome did not favor me, I would not receive the approval that I so desperately wanted. And that threatened me. That's what caused my anxiety. Now, before I move on, I want you to consider and think What in the past couple of weeks has been the the main cause of your stress, your anxiety? Has it maybe been certain work assignments that needs to be done by a certain amount of time and you don't know if your control is good enough to do it in time? Has it been uh, certain family things? Because man, if there's one thing that we cannot control, it's relationships. It's other people. We maybe can try and control ourselves. We can't control other people. Maybe it's been the way that people have been treating you. What has been your main cause? What has been outside of your control? Because there is a solution to this. There is a solution. Number three. There's another scripture that talks about this um, Anxiety. It's in Matthew chapter six, it's uh, verse 24, verse 25 to 34, and it's where Jesus is talking about this incredible. He, he's, he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to people, and he's on the summit on the mountain. He says, um, "Why are you anxious? Do not be anxious." He says it six times. Do not be anxious about anything. And in verse 27, he says, "Who, by being anxious, can add an extra day to your life?" Who can add an extra day to your life by just being anxious? He's trying to make a point. He's trying to tell you that you're sitting here, you're alive, but you didn't control being alive. Death could come knocking at your door at any moment, and what would be your answer? You do not have that control. You might believe the illusion that you are in control of your life, but in actual reality, no matter how hard you try, God is in control whether you want to submit to it or not. And he says many things in Matthew chapter 6. And both from Philippians chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 6, we get three things that solves our anxiety. We're called to think, we're called to trust, we're called to prioritize. Number one, think. You see in Philippians chapter 4, Paul mentioned a couple of big uh, words he said, uh, he said things like, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, think about these things. You know, think, have your mind be flooded with these characteristics. Sounds like great Christian virtues words, right? And I was thinking about these things. Yo, what is true? What is honorable? What, is, what does he mean? And I did a little bit of research, and I found out that every single time Paul is using these words in the Greek, he's talking about Christian doctrine. He's talking about... God, the nature of God and God's character. He's talking about Jesus Christ, who he was, who he is on earth, that he died, that he rose. He's talking about sin, God's plan for salvation, reconciliation with God in relationship. He's talking about love. He's talking about mission. He's talking about lost people getting saved into Christ. That is when he, what he's talking about. He's talking about the plans of God when he says what is true, what is honorable, what is lovely, Think about these things. That does not make a very great, very Mark ad, right? Are you anxious? (laughs) Stressed? Lonely? Have we got the answer for you? Where did you come from? What is the meaning of life? How do you tell right from wrong? And where do you go when you die? No, we don't like that. But that's the truth. This is what God is, this is what, what Paul says. This is what you, it's, it's got to do with your thought life. Look at Matthew chapter six, what Jesus says. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds. They don't, they don't fight, they don't store up in warehouses. They don't have a savings account or a bank account or an investment account or a PSG account. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's close nice to um, Love you, dad. <laughs> yeah. But, but your Father in heaven, they live. And they flourish. They get to travel overseas. <laughs> <laughs> the Greek word for look at means ponder. Think. Consider. Consider something. Change your perspective. Verse 28 says it again. Consider the lilies of the field. They don't knit. They don't twirl. They don't spin. They don't, they don't go to pep or buy clothes. They, they, Zara. Will account? No. Yet not even Solomon was as beautiful wow. in his clothing as these lilies. How much more will our Heavenly Father care for you? He says, consider these things consider that there is a God, an almighty God that knows exactly what you need. Consider, think. Jesus is saying, when you're anxious, it's because you're not thinking. You're not facing up to the reality of this situation and that it's not really that valuable. In light of him, it isn't. You're not considering, you're not thinking that if you did not get what you wanted, everything's still going to be okay. You still are saved in Christ. You're not considering, you're, you're not talking to your heart, you're listening to your heart. Listen to your heart, you know, yeah? No, speak to your heart. <laughs> When you listen to your heart, you hear the fears. What if this? Oh man, what's that person going to think? But then this is going to happen. I don't know if I can handle that. Speak to your heart. No heart, listen. Do you know who is your God? Do you know the might, the goodness from which He governs? Trust. Verse six, Paul says, Do not be anxious. But in everything, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, present your requests. When you present your requests, you're basically saying, God, here is my greatest desire, my request, the thing I want to control, and I give it up to you. I say, Lord, this is my request, but I want what you want. And you might say, but Christian, what if God gives me what I don't want? What if I don't like what he tells me to do or what he gives me? Let me set you free. Of course God's gonna tell you stuff you don't want. Of course God is gonna give you stuff what you don't want. What's the use of him being God if you are wise and smart enough to be him yourself? God telling you stuff you don't want to hear is challenging you to say, who is God in this relationship? Who is in control? Who do you trust more Yes, he's going to tell you stuff. Sometimes that you, that you do want to do and hear, sometimes you don't want to hear it. Is he God? Is he trustworthy? I don't know. Let's look at his track record. Abraham did not want to offer up Isaac. But he went there and God provided. Moses, do you guys realize that Moses didn't want to go to Pharaoh? He didn't want to speak to the Israelites because he had a stutter. Shy and was comfortable living with his uh, father-in-law. I love my father-in-law. I can understand why. But in the end, he went. Joseph did not want to be sold into slavery. He, did not wanna, he didn't want to be in prison for years, decades. But in the end, he could save his whole family. A whole nation today is alive because Joseph was sold into slavery. Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 26, did not want to go to the cross. Sweating blood. But he said, Father, your will, not mine. And you know, all of those people, for the rest of their existence, they will be thanking God for his plan, for his purpose. Trust. Trust the right God. And you are not him. Wonderful. Prioritize. Matthew chapter 6. We all know the scripture. Verse 33. Jesus says, Seek first your control, your desires, your outcomes, your life, your value, your, your approval. My kingdom. Seek first my kingdom. I know what you need. I know what it is. I read this awesome story about Queen Elizabeth I. She once went to a small businessman, and the small businessman was not the best businessman, but she went to him, she knew him, and she said, listen, I want you to go to the new world. Uh, that was North America in that time. I want you to go, and I want you to start a business there, a business for me. And he said, my business here is is floundering. It's not successful, and I'm afraid if I go, then it will finally sink It'll completely sink. These were her direct words. She looked at him and said, my dear friend, you mind my business, I'll mind your business. Instantly, Mang's anxiety, fear left him. Why? Because you're someone with close to infinite influence, infinite resources. And they say, I'll take care of your business if you take care of my business. How good a God do we have who does not just say, I'll first only take care of your business once you start considering my business. No. Here's the incredible thing about our God. We, when we do not believe in God, when we, before we come to Jesus Christ, we have one enemy in this life. And his name is Jesus. God is our enemy. He's an incredible enemy. Tries to save every single person that hates him tries to save every single person who would not come to him. What an incredible adversary to have. And then when we come to him he says I've been minding your business your entire life. Before the foundation of the world was laid I called you. You are mine. I loved you and I died for you. That you may know me. Receive my peace and joy. And Paul in verse 9 says, What you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. In an earlier place he says, I have, I have imitated Christ. As, as I imitate Christ, will you continue prioritizing, becoming like Jesus Christ? Seeking his kingdom? Because then you will realize... It's not just the peace of God that will be with you. It is the God of peace. This morning you want peace and joy? You need to realize it's not just a feeling. It's not just a characteristic. It's not just a gift. It's a person. Jesus Christ, Prince of Peace. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you come near to Him and you say, Lord, this is my requests. This is what I've been trusting you for. This is my past. This is my, this is my father. I've been longing for his approval forever. And even when I get it, it's not enough. I'm still empty. You realize, you realize the love from which Jesus Christ governs your life in this world. So this morning, I have one call, one desire. And that is to encourage this whole family. And I want us to take a moment to pray together. I want to encourage this whole family. Will you trust in Jesus Christ? You commit to filling your life, your mind and your heart with what is true, what is honorable and what is pure. You may learn to realize that you can trust the God of peace, the God of joy, and you might stand rejoicing and thanking Him for the rest of your life that you chose His will. So Here's what I want us to do. If this morning, if this morning, can we, can we all close our eyes maybe? Let's close our eyes. Let's honor the response here. I am gonna ask you um, to respond in a way that I can see you and that the people around you can see you because right now we wanna love you We want to minister to you that you will receive peace and joy. So if this morning there is something that you know there's an unhealthy anxiety or stress that you have about something, you're really trusting God for, and you cannot help but shake the stress, we want to pray with you. Will you stand up so that we can pray with you? Here we go. Yes, thank you. This is a moment of freedom. There's a lot of us that needs this. There we go. There we go. I want to ask you all, um, let's quickly look at the people around us. Let's gather around them. If If you're comfortable praying for them, let's pray. Let's quickly take a moment to pray and minister personally to these people standing up right now. Let's do this. You guys can do the praying. Pray out loud for the people that you are standing with right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and right now you are meeting with each and every one of us so personally. Sometimes, Lord, the answer is not just, it's not in the knowledge. It's not in our wisdom. It's in the person. Sometimes, Lord, you call us to not just try and find the answers in a book or in, in knowing the right thing, but Father, just coming to the right person. Jesus Christ, this morning, I praise you. I praise you that right now, burdens are being lifted. Things, pressures on our hearts that have been lingering for years are being released. And I thank you that this is our portion. This is the way that we live and this is the mentality we live from. It is peace and joy in you. I pray this morning we will all walk away from here knowing that the God of peace and the God of joy goes with us. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you that when we build our lives on Jesus Christ, we will not be shaken. We put our trust in you. We are not shaken. Father, this morning we thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you that you are trustworthy, God. We honor you for the good work that you do here. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.